Welcome to episode eight of CTU Speaks Five Days Later. Homie, I was taught by a Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher, Chicago teacher. I learned to read and write from a Chicago teacher, so I'm inspired by the fight from my Chicago teachers. Unfortunately, today we're not going to be here with Andrea Parker. She's been working out on the strike line diligently, and because of all the work she's been putting in, she got herself a little bit sick. But we got a special treat here today. We've got the incomparable Brandon Johnson, Cook County Commissioner from the Political Department at CTU and a former middle school teacher. How's it going? Hey, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, man, on such short notice. I really appreciate it. I know how busy you've been. Hey, look, we're all busy these times, (laughs) but (laughs) uh, it's for a good purpose, though. So as everybody knows, we've been on strike for the last couple of days. This is, um, we're on Monday now. Um, so we started last Thursday. The different schools have been a lot of different actions. I know Brandon's been around at a lot of the different schools uh, around the city. What are you seeing and hearing out there? I'm seeing incredible energy right now across the city. Uh, we have picket lines that are strong, uh, very much uh, dynamic. But what's, what's very exhilarating in this moment is the fact that we have purple and red. And so you have our members, the Chicago Teachers Union, Local 1, SEIU, uh, Local 73. You got teachers, clerks, teachers' assistants, bus aides. I mean, you have the, the working class right now rising up across the city of Chicago. It's been quite powerful. That's great. At my school, I'm down at uh, King College Prep down uh, just north of Hyde Park. And we've been having a lot of good, uh, good turnout out there. So many people honking and driving by. It's been really fun, especially on Drexel, because nobody really drives by there. So we get it. We uh, it's nice to see that that kind of support, and all those signs in the windows are also really nice. Actually, I was just out at a restaurant the other day, and they, I didn't even know they had a little discount for us if we were on strike. They said, "Hey, you get twenty percent off." Because I was wearing my shirt. I'm like, "Nice." Yeah, the support has been overwhelming. I mean, it's not it's not really surprising. I mean, this is something that the city of Chicago has been bracing for 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 a long time, where our members across the city of Chicago are exercising their power to secure education, justice, and equity, uh, particularly for families that have been set at the margins for a very long time. And those of us who've been in the classrooms, those of us who have serviced uh, the city of Chicago, um, our students are most vulnerable. You know, we've seen the pain, the anguish um, over generations. And, you know, it's a very proud moment right now as a Chicago Teachers Union member to see the dedication of the workers in the city of Chicago and their commitment to securing, again, equity and racial justice, economic justice. For so many folks who have been longing for this for, for generations. Right. I think sometimes as teachers, we really forget how much support there is out there for us and for what we're really doing because we're really there to support their kids, all the kids here in the city. And what we're fighting for is not unreasonable. And, um, you know, I, I find it because thinking about having you on the show, like you're a longtime teacher and, and CTU activist. You're part of the um, working for CTU. Um, fighting, you know, to have our most vulnerable citizens protected. And then in the political arena, you run as a, a progressive on the west side of the city. And now you're kind of not on the other side, but you see it from a different perspective as, as an elected official. And, you know, the mayor says now that she's in office, things are different. She ran on a particular agenda that if my students had done it, I might have said it was plagiarizing what, what CTU said. So she says we can't do it as an elected official. Well, why is she wrong? Well, she's wrong because we've already demonstrated that there is overwhelming commitment and support from the larger um, uh, space of, of people from all different backgrounds, people from all over the city, and quite frankly, all over the country, um, demanding that there um, is an 
a new political economy to address the social ills that unfortunately have, have plagued our communities for, for a long time. And the reason why she's wrong is because, you know, look, you know, our department and a coalition across the state of Illinois, you know, we went to Springfield to secure a new funding formula, right? you know, that would, you know, address the, the, the inequities that have, again, decimated mm. communities for a long time. And in that new funding formula, um, that funding formula was designed to bring equity to our school districts. The Chicago Public Schools has received $1 billion more dollars to address the very issues that we've been fighting for in earnest over the last 10 years, but certainly this fight you know, goes back a long time ago. Right. Um, and so when you have you know, a larger budget, when you have agreement um, from both sides that addressing equity um, is paramount you know, to this moment, it's, it's wrong and it's lazy um, to suggest that now that we're actually in a position of power to now decide that this is not the right time to do it, right. it's lazy and it's irresponsible. And as educators, you know, we always check work, right? right. You know, we yep. check work. And, and as we, you know, look at her work, it's clearly it's incomplete. Right. And so now it's our responsibility to push this political moment beyond what people may be tepid to do or afraid right. to do. Um, and that's the power of the working class. The working class, that's the group of people who will always say what's possible because we live um, our hopes. We live out our right. our dreams. We live out what is what is possible. And to demand that the wealthy in this city and this state pay their fair share to secure the type of revenue that is needed to address these social ills, it's a platform that she ran on. It was the right platform. And right. now it's the right time to actually do um, what she promised she would do uh, while she campaigned. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you've got all this possibility here in the city. And we're a very wealthy city in a very wealthy country. And the fact that we can't provide some of the most basic services for some of our neediest residents is, is ridiculous. It, it absolutely is. In fact, I represent a, a district in Cook County that encompasses the city of Chicago and suburban um, Cook County. And I was visiting some of my students who are in the western suburbs in Oak Park. And I began to raise the issue around just what equity looks like. And so I began to ask questions about what they had. Right. And when I began to explain that just to the east of them, like in Garfield Park on the west side of Chicago, that has been described as a developing nation because right. the violence and the poverty per capita um, has, is akin to um, a developing country that you have individuals just a couple of miles east of Oak Park that do not have the bare minimum, which, you know, we're talking about a librarian, a social worker, a nurse, class sizes that are manageable. Um, we know that Chicago is one of the wealthiest places in the entire world, one right. of the largest economies, the state of Illinois, an incredible economy, one of the largest economies in the entire world. Um, the fact that we spend, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars on, on policing, Yep. We, we're spending billions of dollars in development for the wealthy to have playgrounds right. um, in some of the wealthiest parts of the city, but we don't have a nurse and a social worker. Yeah. I mean, give me a break, right? So we know that it's, it's possible because it's possible to find and generate revenue for everything else that, you, that, that people have placed as a priority. And so we are forcing the conversation in this fight, and we're making families who have been set at the margins for a long time, we're making that agenda the priority of this political season. I think it's important to give those people a seat at the table because they've been denied that for so long. And I don't know if you know, but on uh, Thursday, the first day of the strike, we came into Ben Jarafsky's studio just after you'd left. 
And we had a big talk with him on TIFFs and how that got uh, structured here in the city. And, you know, today we were outside uh, marching down past some of the Sterling Bay properties that's building these, um, I don't know, you could even argue maybe it should be built, shouldn't be built, but it should not be built with taxpayer money, that's for sure. This is the money that should be coming back to our, our communities, especially the needy communities. Lincoln Park is already developing crazy fast. It does not need help developing. It's doing fine on its own. And the communities you serve and on the south side, those are the communities that need this help. And, the, and our schools need it as well. No, absolutely. And, and let's be very clear. It's the south side of Chicago. It's the west side of Chicago. It's the southwest side of Chicago, mm-hmm. the southeast side of Chicago. We have families in Rogers Park that are struggling mm-hmm. to exist. And so these problems are, 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 are pervasive, and, and they're, they're, they're throughout the entire city of Chicago. And what's, what's unique about this moment, though, and I don't want this to be lost, not just with our members, but for Chicago as a whole, we finally get to do something that previous administrations and previous leadership was not able to do. And that's actually to deliver on the schools that all of our children deserve, right. to bring economic justice for our low-wage workers. Right. Individuals who service our families every single day and their families qualify for free and reduced lunch. You know, when we have bus aides um, who can't make their ends meet and they live in the city of Chicago, it's unconscionable to think that we have a political economy where we have these poverty deserts. um, And then they're just steps away from an oasis of wealth. And that's the experience that I had when I taught in Cabrini Green, where Crane stared my students homes. Um, in the face every single morning when they right. woke up, there was cranes greeting them, ready to tear down and destroy their homes. And the same cranes that was destroying public housing for, for my students were building, you know, these brand new high-end condominiums and, and, and luxury, you know, townhomes for the wealthy and the 1%. That's irresponsible. That's a mean, wicked, sick system that has favored austerity. And we know these austerity um, policies are they're racist they're sexist mm-hmm. because they they certainly go after the working class families particularly public sector workers that are oh, yeah. black and brown and women and so we're shifting the dynamic though we're shifting the conversation we're making sure that our agenda makes it to the front of the line yep. everybody has one we have one and ours has to be prioritized definitely and I, I think this gets back to what you know one of the big demands we've got in the contract are in our hashtag to put it in writing we've been promised so many things for so long and I'm remembering back to 2012 when they promised there'll be no school closings, when they promised, you know, they, they, they wouldn't furlough us. And, you know, when they, they took back some of what they promised in their, uh, some of the potential raises that we could have been getting. And then I look at what Lori promised in her campaign. And those were her promises out of her mouth that she promised to do this and this to get librarians, to get social workers, to get nurses, uh, to get an elected school board. Now that school board might be unwieldy. You know, and this is why it's got to be in writing. Promises don't mean anything beyond the person giving it. And we need to make sure that that's in writing so we can have that. And the Sterling Bay lawyers have it in writing that they're going to get their money. Uh, well, why can't we? Why can't our students? Why can't our families have that? Yeah, and the reason why that's important, too, it's not just simply to secure, you know, racial and economic justice in writing. That's important. But it's also important to recognize that these movements, they extend well beyond an individual. Right. An office holder. And so when people make promises and they don't live up to those promises, that's one thing. And that's a problem in and of itself. And we have to hold people accountable when they do not live up to the expectations that they set for themselves. But we also have to make sure that 
our fight for justice has to live beyond this contract. It has to live beyond this mayor. It has to be beyond ourselves because, you know, for lack of a better phrase or word, you know, nothing is ever permanent, Mm -hmm. you know, and we we can't allow justice to live in the hands of an individual. It has to be placed into the hands of the public space where the public ultimately gets the opportunity to secure justice and also to hold the system accountable and not just an individual. Look, the system has been corrupt for a long time and this predates us. And I don't think it's unreasonable. I know it's not unreasonable for our members to demand that our righteous stance for it to be codified, to be done in writing because we've earned that. Right. We've earned that trust from the public. The public expects it. We've also dealt with, as you said before, a great deal of trauma in this city yeah. where people have broken promises to individuals who make up the working class, those who are living in poverty. To rely upon an individual to, to simply take their word right. um, is just not a responsible way to move in this moment. It's not responsible at any time. but. Especially now, because of the real experiences that we've had in the past. Right. I mean, and they've broken it not just to individuals, but to whole generations of people who have lived here in the city and in certain parts of the city and intentionally disinvested in those neighborhoods at the expense of them to the to profit of certain other communities. And we need we need equity in the city. We can't go on living in a city where the difference between the haves and have not is so vast. And that's it's I can't even think of the right word immoral is the word I'm thinking of. It's an immoral stance to take. No, no. It, it not only is it immoral, again, it's it's very irresponsible on the part of the mayor of Chicago to not be willing to hold herself to a higher standard than previous administrations. I call right. that leadership, Jim, honestly. Right. Well, I agree. That, that I ran on a particular platform, and that platform not only got me elected, but it, it offered hope for people who felt that wealth has been concentrated into the hands of a few people. And the best thing that I can do for the constituents that I serve, the best thing that we can do as a union is to have a contract that not just speaks to our values and we hold to our principles, but it needs to be in writing so that generations who have suffered under mayoral control, generations who have suffered you know, under the history of the Willis wagons and the, right. the stratification and segregation, hyper-segregation that exists in this city, that those generations are brought justice as well. But it's also a mark for posterity. Right. People have to be able to look back at this moment and not only see what's possible, but see what we did. Because it's not like racism is going to go away once we sign the contract. And so we have to make sure that we are setting ourselves up for the future fights that we're going to have. There will be people right. who will still have animus towards us winning justice Right. For the people that we serve. And that contract has to be a benchmark for how we move forward for generations to come. Right. We need a system put in place that can't be corrupted by any one individual, like you said. And I remember when you first started running and people were telling you, you, you can't run as an African-American progressive on the West Side. And I remember you just, I wouldn't say you laughed at them, but it was, it was you knew you could. And you stayed to what you said. And unlike... Mayor Lightfoot that promised certain things. And then when that got her elected, and this is the thing I don't really understand, you got elected on that platform. Even if you don't believe it, 
Why would you not enact it? That's what got you there. Even if you want to take a completely cynical view of politics, that's what got you there. Why would you then abandon that if she claims she has that mandate of 70% of the city, 70% of the 30% that voted? But you know, that's a different story. Why would you not? And I mean, and especially when, you know, you can look at you, you, you ran on it and you're sticking to it and it's been very successful for you. And this is something the mayor needs to look at this. This is, it's not reasonable to do that to the, your constituents. Well, not only has it worked for those of us who are sticking to our principles, it has emboldened the movement. Yeah. You know, look, you don't elect people like a Jeanette Taylor on the South side of Chicago, who was a hunger striker yep. with our members, the CTU and community-based organizations that fought together to secure a neighborhood high school on the south side of Chicago. You don't elect people like Byron Sixcho Lopez or Rosana Rodriguez without having a movement. And what I'm so proud of is that as a member of the Chicago Teachers Union, our members have been so bold and brave in this moment, where despite the popularity that this mayor may have, despite how inconvenient the last strike may have been because many individuals didn't think that we could take on a powerful mayor like Rahm Emanuel, right. that our members stood strong shoulder to shoulder. And that movement has not just elected people, but it has provoked the labor movement to grow across this country. And so you see this, whether it's in Arizona, um, right, or Oklahoma, um, California, I mean, all over the country, you have people who are opting out of the standardized standardizing of our of our of our curriculum, and that type of movement has built so much confidence right. in our parents, um, in our community at large. The faith community has come together around economic and racial justice, not just for our schools but for our our entire economy. The CTU has been at the very front of challenging this country to be responsive to public accommodations, to make sure that not only do we have good schools, that we have transportation that works, that people have access to it, that we have affordable housing that works, that that people can live in, that we have um, public safety in our community that that doesn't require the over-policing and um, the criminalization of poverty. And we've, we've built a movement to make public accommodations a real thing again. Right. Like the fight of our ancestors. We've also ha- have seen just this overwhelming support of those who actually do the work. So it's not just about pu- protecting public accommodations. It's about protecting those who actually do the work. And then furthermore, demanding that the wealthy pay their fair share in taxes. Right. That's a message now that works across the country where you now have Democratic candidates running for mayor. I'm sorry, running for the city, for, 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 for president. I'm running on our platform, the platform that we've been fighting for in this city in earnest over the last 10 years, this right. new invigorated form of resistance. Um, that's a special opportunity to participate in. And so that's why it's important now that we do not, we do not equivocate in this moment. We double down on what we know is right and what is just, and we secure the type of schools and neighborhoods that all of our people deserve. Oh, totally. And it, that brings us back to the, the issue on bargaining right now, because we know the uh, the bargaining team's in there right now trying to secure what we're talking about. And um, I'm sure you saw the letter that um, the mayor sent out talking about how we uh, we need to go back while they're still negotiating. Um, and, and one of the quotes she has here is, um, they, they will continue to negotiate in good faith with the same sense of urgency. 
And I, I find that an, an odd phrase. Um, the urgency wasn't there in January. Uh, the urgency wasn't there in May when the mayor was elected. The urgency happened when we took a vote and we started walk. And I hope there's a better sense of urgency than there has been over the last 10 months. Yeah. And so to your point, again, we've been fighting. Our agenda has been very clear for the last 10 months. Our agenda, of course, has been very clear for the last 10 years. Yes. <laughs> right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to question, honestly, if the mayor has a full grasp of like what's at stake right now. I'm just beginning to question that. Because we didn't begin to see real significant movement, and you know this, right. at the negotiating table until we actually you know, withheld our labor. And our members should be very proud in this moment that the last few days that we've been on the picket line, the Board of Education has begun to see it our way by providing workers to deal with the homeless population in the city of Chicago, where we actually have individuals who are assigned to help our students deal with the transition that they're going to experience as a result of homelessness. That's a big win that we can talk about already. The fact that we have real ratios with our preschool programs, you know, 10 students for to, to one teacher, that's a big deal. The fact that we had to secure that in our contract, even though it's state law, again, we could yeah. have that conversation <laughs> another time, but we actually literally had to have in our contract um, a state law uh, that, that CPS had been ignoring. Um, the fact that, you know, there is some agreement around, you know, how we deal with uh, wraparound services and getting some, some, some certainly need to get some more commitment and some more movement around that. But we've already seen the board begin to move in the direction in which we know um, right. will lead to better schools. And that has everything to do with the fact that we are on the lines right now. And so we right. have to hold the lines, hold them strong, um, because this is one of those moments where I believe we're going to look back and say this is what set us up to secure the type of schools that we all can be proud of. Right. I, I know I, I've heard from a few people that, and I don't know if this is true or not, but that the mayor and the city was waiting till the third or fourth day of the strike because that's when uh, our our faith begins to waver or whatever we want to call it. We start backsliding. And um, it, I don't know why particularly, but today was the the strongest showing at my school, even though it was raining and it was supposed to rain a lot harder. And that's how you know God loves teachers because, you know, he held that off for us and, and the sun came out. It was beautiful. But and I remember they saying the same thing in 2012. And that was my first strike I went through. And I'm like, uh oh, maybe maybe it will, because that kind of made sense in my head that people after a few days are going to be tired of this. And it, it wasn't. It didn't happen. And it's not happening again. I, I find it strange that they can continually be surprised by the same events over and over again. Well, they're very hard headed. I mean, that's very yeah. clear. <laughs> And what's more troubling, though, is the fact that people are more, more frustrated and they're actually tired of the fact that we've had to wait so long to secure a nurse yeah. in every single school every single day. They're tired of sending their children to a school without social worker so that we can deal with the trauma that many of our students are experiencing day to day. You know what, what people are tired of? They're tired of working every single day and can't afford to live in Chicago. Yeah. That's what they're tired of. And so the resolve that you've seen today and that you're going to see again tomorrow yep. um, has everything to do with the fact that the CTU and SEIU 73, they know the moment that we're in. And, you know, I don't want to give a shameless plug for, for my <laughs> affinity for, for sports, uh, but when you've had to wait well over 100 years to secure a championship, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Cubs fans. Yeah, oh I know. I know. It doesn't affect my politics, obviously. Well, I hope not. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> If you've had to wait for an entire generation to secure justice and you're days away, 
just moments away, you're not going to back down now. I mean, yeah. there's, there's there are generations that are crying out saying that we're we're pleased and we're happy yeah. that you are going to make right the wrongs that 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 not only plagued the generation before us but have ruined lives. Mm-hmm. But we also have people who are speaking to us in the future saying we need you to get it right today so that our tomorrow is better. We're not backing down now. No, we can't back down. And I think that's that's the most exciting thing when we're out on the line and I see all the support we've got and, you know, again, marching through downtown and people are, you know, waving from the windows and saw some people in office buildings dancing in the wind. I'm sure that we're not supposed to be dancing, but, you know, it was very interesting seeing that and, and uh, seeing that, you know, despite the fact that this was supposedly a very popular mayor that we shouldn't be striking, that um, if it's an issue that affects the community, that it's one of those things that we're going to stand for. One of the things, um, there was a, a quote I was reading, um, New York Times had a nice article on the, on the strike, really focused on what we were really fighting for. And they, they were one of the few papers I saw that got away from the greedy teacher narrative, which is ridiculous. Um, but a, a quote from one of the teachers um, who said she voted for uh, Lori Lightfoot. And she said, I, I voted for change, but what I got was a ROM in sheep's clothing. I, I thought that was a very interesting way. And I've heard that from so many people. Um, that really believed um, in the agenda that she had put up. And honestly, I kind of believe in that agenda too. But uh, again, candidate Lightfoot and Mayor Lightfoot seem to be very no, Very people. much so. And look, you know, no one wants to be hoodwinked. No. Bamboozled. <laughs> Led astray. Nobody wants that. Especially because there are rare moments in, in time when we get a chance to set a new course. I believe it was Dr. Keene that gave... Like one of the, I think one of the best analysis moving beyond the civil rights movement and saying we need to focus in on human rights. And he said that we need to have a radical redistribution of political power and wealth. But he also said that it is our, it is our responsibility to raise all societal questions that affect the day to day of 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 people across mm-hmm. America. And that's what the Chicago Teachers Union is doing. That's what SEIU Local Seventy Three is doing. We are raising all questions around how society treats its poor, how it treats women, black and brown in particular, how it, 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 it works to divide individuals based upon their zip code. And the fact that educators and, and support staff, they're leading that conversation. It's the type of transition that we need in order for transformation to take place. And that's why we have to hold fast to this moment, because just as we saw a generation ago, if we don't make the shift and push hard and hold to our principles, we can lose out in a moment that we may not see for a generation. Yeah. Let's do it now. Lori has an opportunity to put justice in writing. She should be sprinting to the negotiating table to get that done. Not just because she made the promise. She should do it because of that. But she should also do it because it's the right time. It's the right moment. We're the right people to do it. Yeah. So let's get it done. Let's get it done, Chicago. I heard you say in another interview that um, she has an opportunity to be the hero, that there have been so many mayors that have failed for so long, and she's got the opportunity in her grasp to be the mayor that brought equity to Chicago. And she can take that, and she can run on that, and she can win. And she would be on our side, and the side of the community, and the side of all the people in Chicago that voted for her. And she needs to take that opportunity, and it is right in front. History is staring her in the face, and she has an option. She has a choice. 
And her choice is, is very clear. Does she stand with the Sterling Bay? Does she stand with the past, with Rom, with Daly? Or does she stand with the people of Chicago, the people that voted for her and the people who didn't, but for the poor, for the middle class, for everyone? It's not too late for her. No. And that's why, look, Lyndon Bain Johnson, he could only be great because the movement was great. So not only can she be a hero in this moment, there's an entire movement that's prepared to fight for the next thing. Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, we still have real issues in this city beyond this teacher's contract, beyond the, the SEIU 73's contract. Why not secure justice and equity for our schools and then allow that to be the catalyst to secure housing for families, to have a real public safety intervention that doesn't require police overtime reaching hundreds of millions of dollars, right. that we have real economic development where the infrastructure of the city of Chicago, as we look to change that and transform it, becomes a catalyst to, to secure a jobs program. She's got those opportunities in her grasp and she's wasting it away for a reason I don't know. I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know what she's thinking and I don't know if it's fear. I don't know if it's just a matter of just, she doesn't, understand the, the the uniqueness of our moment where you're just hesitant to lead because you're just you're just you're just worried right. of what it's going to mean we cannot allow fear to ruin what what may be a moment that we, we may not see for 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 some time right. and I understand in this moment just like our members understand that there are times when leadership is required like real leadership to make decisions that are going to that's going to secure opportunities and a little bit of hope for people. That that's the type of leadership that we need. That's the type of leadership that we have displayed in this city. That's the type of leadership that has broken out across this country. Right. That she has an entire movement that has positioned her not just to secure a seat, but to deliver justice. She has secured the power to secure justice. Yep. She has the power to do it. Don't waste it. And one of the ways in which we can help her not waste it, and let's hold the line. Right. Let's hold the line until we get a contract that we can feel good about. We know we need to set ourselves up for future fights, and I think our members get that. But we have not secured enough, not for the political moment that we're in right now. She needs to make sure that she understands that she is in a historical moment right here, and she needs to take advantage of that. There's one, one more quote I want to mention from the letter that she sent um, she said, and this was directed towards the teachers and towards CTU, as someone who's concerned about the success of our students, we hope you see how necessary it is to reopen schools at this time. And I'd like to say that back to her because I completely agree with that statement. She claims that that's her, that she stands for education and for equity in the city. And I will say to Mayor Lightfoot, as someone who is concerned about the success of our students, we hope you see how necessary it is to reopen our schools at this time. Please put it in writing. Couldn't put it better myself. Oh, I'm sure you could. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Thanks to Brandon Johnson for being here today and being my co-host on CTU Speaks. And we'll have Andrea Parker back. She'll be uh, drinking some chicken soup and taking vitamin C and getting better. Um, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your podcast platforms. You can also email us at ctuspeaks at ctulocal1.org. Send us any questions so we can answer them here on the air. And you can also call us at our phone number is 312-467-8888. 
Again, that's 312-467-8888. Thanks so much, and we'll see you on the next episode.